can we find cancel culture in the Bible? Does Jesus give an answer about the social trend? Join us as we tackle some examples and see what Jesus has to say. All right, we want to welcome everyone back uh, to Bearing Up. I'm Zach Griffin. With me is uh, Logan Bruce, and we're so excited to, to have you on for another episode. Um, to get things started today, uh, Yes, we're talking about cancel culture. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it seems like everything that we see, Logan, that we do nowadays is influenced or, or has some political leanings in some sense. So like, for instance, you can't buy a can of refried beans <laughs> without making a political statement. You know, the, 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 Go- the Goya thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, we just live in this world. Now, I'm, I'm tired of it, but at the same time, I feel like we need to address these things, uh, address cancel culture. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about just the recent things. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to get a little political here and just kind of mention some things. I'm not going to give you opinions on them, but I'm just going to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Cruz going to, um, to Cancun. Um, you know, the whole Gina Carano thing with Disney. Uh, you got uh, uh, there was there were a couple other ones. Uh, there was a there was a bill introduced to ban President Trump from being buried in Arlington. Uh, I don't know if you heard that or not. I did not hear that one. Yeah, so they actually produced a bill in Congress to ban a former president from being buried in in Arlington, uh, who was wow. acquitted twice. You yeah. know, so I mean, it's just like there's so much just cancel 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 put these people out of here uh kind of thing and so i guess the way i want to start this off logan is really just kind of ask what your opinion is on this how should christians respond to this and is there anything that we need to do do we need to do more of do we need to be vocal how do we respond to this whole cancel culture thing well you know I, I, I mean, what do you, what, you a big no, yeah what are you supposed to do though is like the, my, my real response uh, right. you know i'm i am my political stance is probably somewhere between ron paul and ron swanson um <laughs> and uh, i am I, i'm i am very small government minded i think that uh you know christianity is one of the rare religions in the world that um is a not a government religion you know, Muslims, they have their, it's, it's, it's a societal religion. It's a government-based religion, um, mm-hmm. as is Catholicism and many others. But uh, Christianity, at its essence, is literally the opposite of that. Um, so I am, I am very hands-off gov- when it comes to government. Um, <clears throat> however, a lot of this issue we're talking about boils down to what is non-government people what are non-government people doing because a lot of cancer yeah. culture comes from media comes from people with a big enough voice to be heard um that disagree with somebody mm-hmm. so the answer is what can you do yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> love them is is the first step but you know in in war there are certain rules even in war um throughout the human human history um, and, you know, lines don't get crossed until somebody crosses it. But as a Christian, you have to draw your moral lines. Where am I going to be? And regardless of what my opponent does, what lines they cross, I'm not going to cross them. You have to decide that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are Christians who've done that very well. And I think that there are Christians in pop culture um, who have struggled to do that because it's like, well, they're doing it. Why can't I? Um, or why shouldn't I even? Um, and I think that's the answer is because we draw our moral lines in a different place. Maybe there are Christians who are part of the cancel culture. And if that's the case, um, you know, I would say not only maybe, but actually I would assume very strongly that there are, um, that they need to reevaluate where they stand with Christ and they need to reevaluate because, uh, that's just not something Jesus would do. Yeah. Um, the, the phrase live and let live is not, a like a uh, it's not a uh, 
it's not from Jesus, <laughs> but it's, uh, I think that's, I think if more people thought that way, we wouldn't have this problem. You know, if somebody yeah. wants to have that belief, let them have that belief. It's not going to hurt me. Um, you know, if I will say, and I'm, I've, I've said this to people, I don't think what, uh, I don't even remember the actress's name, Gina. I don't remember her last name. Yeah. Gina Carano. I, I wouldn't compare anybody to a Nazi. Um, I don't think she yeah. should have been fired. I don't think she should have, anything should have happened to her, but I still don't think she should have compared anybody to a Nazi. And I know she didn't do it. She just retweeted it, which is even makes it stupider that she got fired in my opinion. But yeah. uh, I don't know. The only people I'd compare to Nazis are Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess th- there's just, and you said something that I think is so important. You know, we have to decide right now that we're going to rise above uh, what other people in society do. Sure. Uh, we understand that, you know, we live in a government that is not a theocracy. Mm-hmm. And so we live in a, in a country where people will have other views uh, that are far beyond. And so, I mean, just even contrary to uh, and against waging war against even uh, Christianity, but that's the country that we live in. Right. Um, and, so we have to decide that we're not going to respond in a in a wicked and evil way in a way that Jesus would. Uh, the 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 person I was thinking of that um, it, it slipped my mind before was Rush, Rush Limbaugh, and just the vile hatred that's spewing out against him uh, after he died, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like God's dead. Your, your, your words. You missed the party. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like how I hope there's not Christians that are, you know, using opportunities like this to just spew out hatred. And, and I, I don't even have an opinion about the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never listened to him. So I don't know really very much about him, period. Uh, but just the just the vile and we, and we can never, we can never do that. You know, even if it's, you know, an enemy, we may say we can never do that. Uh, and, and so this has kind of been, I guess, our opinions so far on this stuff, but we're going to be looking at some, uh, as we said, some examples um, in scripture of cancel culture actually taking place. And we may f- feel like this is a relatively new idea and, and the, and the term, uh, certainly is newer, the idea of cancel culture. Uh, but this has always been, you know, the, the first one, and I didn't think about this before, but the first cancel uh, evidence of cancel culture was <laughs> Cain and Abel, you know? Um, there you go, yeah. You've got, you've got a, a brother who's jealous and tries to take out the other brother because of the jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as we look at some of these other ones and, uh, I don't want to focus so much on on that particular example, but on others that we may may uh, not think of when we talk about cancel culture, um, how they handled it, you know, what caused the the mindset of wanting to cancel somebody, uh, and and how those issues were resolved. Um, what gave me this idea was last week we had Spencer Shaw on, and and he kind of was talking about. Uh, in, in his podcast, uh, David and Bathsheba, and talking about uh, a lot of different the victim, um, you know, victim shaming and blaming, uh, you know, cancel culture, different things like that from the standpoint of, yeah, David and, and Bathsheba. Uh, so I want to touch on that one. Uh, but first, I want to touch on uh, Daniel uh, and Darius's officials, um, you know, during that time period. And I guess we'll, we'll turn in our Bibles over to uh, the book of Daniel, and that will be uh, Daniel chapter 6. Um, so Darius is set up. He's the king um, of Babylon at this point, um, and, you know, he's he's partial with with, with Daniel. He, he likes Daniel. You know, he, uh, he's, you know, he becomes a, a servant. Uh, he's, verse 3, distinguished above all the high officials and the satraps uh, because an excellent spirit was in him. Uh, Darius has this fondness for him. Um, But ultimately it gets to a point where 
these officials try to eliminate, um, get rid of Daniel. And that essentially is what the, the cancel culture is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's put this person away, make them not exist. You know, when you're canceling, it's like, get rid of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, am, I, am I missing anything there by, by the by definition of cancel culture, you think? Or No, um, you know, I would... I would definitely add that it's, it's more focused on, you know, making sure that, you know, that person can't be heard. I guess you're kind of, you're right on with that, but uh, it's, it's very, it's a very narrow minded. I think that's something we need to hit before we continue um, line of thinking, because what it does is if you don't think like me, I don't want to hear it, which is the definition as far as I'm concerned is the definition of, you know, ignorance (laughs) Um, because I, I, no matter what I believe I'm, I always want to be open to hearing other points of view because there's a slim chance slim that I could be wrong. (laughs) And so, um, um, you know, but we, nobody's got it a hundred percent right. And it's an arrogant point of view and it's a dangerous thought process that I can't be wrong. And so if I can't be wrong, then you have to be wrong. And I need to make sure nobody can be hurt by you. Um, that just doesn't make any sense to be quite honest. Yeah. But I just and, wanted to get, make sure we, that was, that to me is part of, yeah, we have to understand that before we can go on. Right. There's a, there's a narrow mindedness, there's an ignorance, but I think there's also it, there are multiple reasons why somebody would want to, you know, silence a person, put them away, you know, sure. you know, they're, they're in opposition to them and they want their voice to just be gone, right. be not heard. Um, and I, so, what do you think is the um, what do you think is the motivation here from these officials? Then, well, they've lost a lot of credibility because of who Daniel is and what he is. Um, they have fallen from where they were prior to him coming in, <clears throat> and uh, you know, it's it's jealousy. I mean, you you touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, seeing somebody who you compete with. Um, seeing somebody who uh, maybe was at one time below you or beneath you yeah. uh, rise above you. Um, it's uh, I, I think that it's, it's strictly jealousy, covetous, covetous, covetousness, covetousness, yeah. covetousness. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's a desire to, to, well, maybe not even desire. It's a looking at yourself and being like, why is he ahead of me? I've been here longer. I've been doing this. I'm better. Whatever it is, jealousy uh, would be the root of it, in my opinion. Yeah. So they are. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's exactly it. Um, they were jealous that he had this, you know, this special recognition and was distinguished above all of them. Uh, verse five says. Uh, these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint uh, against uh, this Daniel unless we find a connection with the law of his God. So they, they try to figure out, okay, here's a point that we can kind of turn against him, right? And this takes place in the cancel culture too, right? Yeah. You know, they, they, they take one point or they try to twist something or turn something, Um you know, Daniel was being, and I believe in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, well, really it's God speaking through him, says to, to, and this is really strange, you, you bless the city of your captivity. And I mean, it's just like, this is exactly what Daniel's doing. He's, you know, he's being a servant to Darius, to Babylon, but at the same time, and even more so, he's a servant of God. So they can take that and there's, and there's no, you know, he's, he's blessing Babylon. He's not doing anything against him. And actually the relationship that he has with God is not the only time we see a, I guess a a confrontation is at the very beginning of the book. We can't eat the King's meat, but they're able to kind of get past that and, you know, resolve the issue, but Mm. they, (laughs) All right, let's try to find one thing here and let's twist it. Let's twist it and turn it into something else that it is not. 
because by praying to God, they're turning that, they're going to turn that and say, well, he's praying to his God and his God is greater than you, Darius. And you should make a law and, you know, all of this and try to turn and twist. And there are things that can be very innocent, things that are good, things that are non-contradictory, but because you don't like them or somebody doesn't like you or whatever, there's a twist. There's a twist that takes place yeah. trying to turn the story against uh, sure. that person. Yeah. So that's, that's what happens here with um, Daniel and his officials. How is this resolved then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, right? <laughs> you just, it's, it's sticking to your moral guns. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, um, as Christians, we have laid out before us morally, what is kind of expected of us, I guess you could say, um, you know, there's, there's a standard set above us. Um, you know, if, if, you know, it's not, it's not human created standard, so there's a moral line already drawn for us and we can, we fudge it back and forth. We make it more strict or less strict depending on who you talk to, but there's a basic moral line and it's sticking to that, sticking to your guns on that. Um, and Daniel does that, uh, you know, and I'm peeking ahead, but he does exactly that. You know, when his foot is put to the fire, he didn't budge. Yeah. Right. He didn't say, well, I guess they're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let them cancel me or I'm going to conform, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he stuck to his guns and he's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And uh, it ended up, I mean, and without intervention of the Lord would have cost him his life, but it got, got into a place where he was more respected by the King. I think when you look at it at the end, um, it got into a place where, you know, he was not, he was going to honor the Lord and he was going to be who he was regardless of what was being told to him, regardless of what, position he was being put in yeah uh, because he knew his moral standard was beyond anything that he had created it was beyond anything man could create or could destroy is from god and so that's the christian answer as far mm -hmm. as like a political answer you get a little more <laughs> difficult because uh when it comes to political uh standings you can kind of create your own moral line um, because like I and I, and you know, obviously with Christians in government, that's a whole different topic, but, mm -hmm. um, Christianity is by nature separate from government and the American government was set up by nature to work, operate outside of the rules of Christ. So, you know, it's not, a, it's not, God doesn't view it as an abomination for the government to put somebody to death, but it's different when I go out and say, you know what, they did this, I'm going to kill them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're meant to work together, but in their own ways. Um, and, and I, so I think that <clears throat> when it comes to when we see what has happening with like Ted Cruz and what we see happening with Rush Limbaugh, um, it becomes a little different. Obviously Rush is not here to defend himself and I, he obviously would. And I think that's why people waited until he died because they were, <laughs> they knew he would come back and he would shut him down. So uh, all those people who are hitting on a dead man, you know, nobody's proud of you, all right? Stop being a little baby and attack kicking somebody while they can't even kick back. Oh, wow. um, that, so there's that. Um, but as far as like, you know, with outs, when it comes to things outside of my life as a Christian, I would say, first of all, I'm a Christian foremost. And so that line is always going to be in my life. But second of all, you know, there's, there's a moral line everywhere and it's up mm -hmm. to you as a person. And it's up to us as Christians to decide where is my moral line and I'm not going to budge from it. I'm not going to stoop to this level. I'm not going to be this kind of person. Um, and I'm going to hold fast to what I know is right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's critical. You know, mm -hmm. the only way that there, the only way that we will accomplish our task of being, you know, the ambassadors of Christ that God calls us to be the ministers of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. The only way that we as Christians can accomplish our goal to share Jesus with others is that if our being a Christian uh, comes under fire, we don't budge. Right. Um, 
you know, kind of pulling that to the the, the Christian faith, um, we, yeah, we don't we don't budge. We don't we don't give up. We don't deny. You know, we we stick with it. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, that's that's essential for us in our faith because when we start to deny, what did Jesus say about that? You deny me before men. Uh, I deny you before my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think from this, yes, we can, we can learn definitely from Daniel. You stick to your guns, even when people are trying to cancel you. Right. Uh, now let's turn to David and Uriah. <laughs> you know, David wanted to cancel Uriah uh, because of what happened with you know, his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, if we remember the story, uh, David saw Bathsheba on the roof, desired after, lusted after, had his men uh, go and bring her in. And, you know, and what's interesting is the Bible doesn't say anything about what Bathsheba said or thought or reacted or anything. All of this is on David. All of it's on David. He looks at her. He lusts after her. He has the men uh, bring her to him. You know, this is his deal. Anyway, she gets pregnant. She's married to Uriah. Uriah's out in the field. He's he's a warrior. David was supposed to be there being a king, leading his men into battle, but wasn't. Um, and so he gets Uriah home, tries to make, you know, there's a lot of deceit happening. He tries to get Uriah to go and go home, be with his wife. Maybe he'll think that it's, you know, his child and all of that stuff. Um, that it doesn't work. Uriah, he sleeps on the temple steps or on the palace steps. And he will not, he will not, um, you know, go. Uh, even David tries to, to get the, get the man drunk, you know, so he'll, his inhibitions go down. So he goes mm-hmm. and, uh, and bees with his wife, but even still he won't. Um, so what seems to be the problem here motivating the, the canceling? Because uh, it doesn't seem to be jealousy. It's Mm-mm. something else. It's a cover-up. I mean, just plain and simple. You know, you look at what David's trying to do um, is he's trying to cover up his mistake. And so, you know, this one, the first one is a beautiful example. And, and this one is very good as well. But, I, you know, I, it's it's less, it's, it's less, I guess it's not as applicable for the way we see cancel culture today because, you know, but, but at the same time, it, it, it works very well. What, what about fake news? <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's, 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 what, that's what I was thinking about it. Because like when, you know, something comes out uh, and it's contrary to your side, well, let's just destroy the credibility of it. Let's get it out of there, yeah. you know, because it's a, you know, it's, like I said, it's a cover up. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, with David here, um, he's he is trying to cover it up, you know, and he's he's looking at what he's done and he's trying to figure out ways to fix it. Um, and, you know, you see children and you see adults, you know, who see what they've done and they try to cover it up with a lie and then another lie and then another lie because the truth doesn't require cover up. You know, it just is what it is and I have nothing to hide. But when you create a lie, uh, it doesn't fit to the truth. And so when you get a bunch of people who are fitting in pieces of the truth around it, You've got to adjust and move and dodge with your lie in order for it to still fit the, what you want to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's where David's at. And so he's constantly trying to create a story that fits into where he's not the bad guy. And in the end, he ends up doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. But God is smarter than that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that's uh, dodging and fitting in lies eventually gets found out. Um, and we have, we live in a world with a lot of smart people. There's a lot of smart people. There are also a lot of really, 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 really unintelligent people. (laughs) And that was putting it nicely. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's both. I probably fit lean more towards the unintelligent side, but you see this, you see this situation where David got away with it. 
plain and simple. And if it wasn't for God's intervention, every, he, his life would have been totally un, uh, unchanged. And maybe there's a few people who are standing there and thinking, that baby is 10 pounds, but she's only been pregnant seven months. <laughs> uh, you know, there's little things like that, that maybe some people would have put together, but nobody would have called David on it. Um, but we live in a culture where we don't have a king. Thankfully we have, so people can get called on it. And it's, it's up to us, I guess, in the end of the day to call people on their lives. And we have our moral line. We've talked about it over and over again. And part of that moral line is sometimes standing up for others who can't stand up for themselves. Yeah. I, I think that's great. And yes, we, I think, I think we do need to be more vocal about things sometimes. Uh, you know, we don't have to be hateful and we don't have right. to be, you that's know, important. we don't have to be political. Uh, you don't have to be. Uh, but I think that it's important to, to be vocal and support good things, you know, support good folks, you know, uh, different things like that. Um, support folks that are doing good stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking about this and how David tries to get rid of Uriah because him being there is not beneficial for him. You know, he tries to cut him out of his life uh, because uh, it's going to cause him issues. It's going to cause him problems. Uh, and we as Christians and on the lower level, on the, you know, everyday person that's not involved in the big stuff of politics and doesn't, you know, you don't feel you don't have a very big voice at all. Um, it's very easy for us to, there's a temptation sometimes to put people out because they're not beneficial to you, uh, or because, um, maybe you've done something wrong and you don't want to own up to it. You know, we, we gave a, you know, we had a talk on forgiveness um, a few months ago. <laughs> and uh, the idea with that is, you know, sometimes we don't want to own up to our wrongs. And so we distance ourselves from people. Mm -hmm. um, and so in a way that's, that's a cancel culture that takes place in you know, the lives of everyday people. Um, you know, we, we cut people out um, because of issues uh, maybe that we've even caused. Um, and uh, we've got to um, we've got to do something about that. Uh, we've got to handle those in the right way and, and be faithful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, a certain individual. Um, I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, uh, but they did something wrong. Uh, they saw someone that they knew from church. Uh, they had distanced themselves from church. Uh, they saw that person though. And then like in a grocery store or something like that. Uh, and then like ran away, they wouldn't go talk to them. They, so they just kind of, they saw them and then ran away. And you know, they, they could have had a great relationship, you know, and they did have a great relationship, but because of their own wrong, they pushed out people that, that loved them, you know, pushed out people that were, were good. So, um, Logan, do you have an example you want to go to before we get this? Midway? When we first started, I was thinking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so, you know, that's that's one I, we get, I'll touch on briefly. But, you know, that's similar, you know, with what the, the line of talking we've had so far with our moral line. Yeah. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Wow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is not their real names. Um, <laughs> they, uh, <clears throat> they had this moral line and they were told you need to cross this and come over here because this is what we're doing. We're worshiping the King, not God. Um, they're like, we're not going to worship him. We're worshiping God. We're not going to bow to knee to him. Um, this is our moral line. And there was an attempt to cancel them because of it. Similar to Daniel. Um, where with Daniel, they created a situation where he had to choose. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego were forced into the situation where they had to choose. And, uh, you know, standing firm on that moral line um, was ultimately, you know, what got him in trouble. But at the same time, you know, it's what saved him because God came in. And I think that's important 
to remember with Daniel and with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, you've got this situation where without God's intervention, they're dead. And when we draw a moral line, uh, we have to sometimes understand that that's the situation you could find yourself in. I don't think in America we're close to that yet. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but uh, with cancel culture growing, and I think there are enough people who stand up to it um, to keep it at bay. But, you know, there's, there's going to be a point. There is a strong possibility in your life and you need to be prepared no matter who you are as a Christian, maybe you're a non-Christian. There's going to be a point in your life where your moral line is tested potentially to the point of death. And you have to rationalize with yourself well ahead of time. What is my response going to be? Am I going to let my moral line bend or am I going to stand firm on it and say, Nope, this is where I'm at. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's just an answer that uh, you have to decide and you need to decide now um, well before you're put to the test because it may not be a life or death situation, but it could be, it may not be a situation where anybody, it could be a situation where you're going to get a promotion or not. Um, and, uh, but what's your moral line? What does that look like? Um, are you willing to bend it or not, or are you going to stand firm where you're at? Right. And I think that's crucial because, um, you know, and because Christians, they, they, they give in, to things far less than than death, yes. um, you know, fitting in, you know, and that that's a big part of this whole cancel culture. They're not going around killing people. Correct. It's well, you know, being silenced and fitting in with the rest of the group, and you know, being able to even speak at all mm-hmm. uh, without your accounts being deleted and and yeah. different stuff like that. Um, but the whole purposing in your heart is really the idea you're, you're saying, yeah. you know, this, you decide beforehand. And, and that's exactly what scripture says of, of, of Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in Daniel chapter one, you know, right. with, with the meat uh, deal that he purposed in his heart uh, that he would not cross that moral line, that, that boundary. Um, and so we've, we've got to do the same. We've got a Absolutely. purpose in our heart. We got to decide, um, before it even happens. Yeah. Uh, so before we continue, let's take a quick break. Thanks everyone for watching. Um, please remember to uh, subscribe, follow, uh, do all of those things on our social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all of those uh, good things. Uh, we want to remind you that Bearing Up is is in a partnership with the Ministry League Network. Download the app. There's so much uh, wonderful resources there for Christians. Um, and also, new announcement, um, we are suspending, we're getting rid of closing up our Teespring shop. Uh, so you have until March 31st if you'd like to buy uh, Bearing Up apparel or mugs or stickers or anything like that. Um, you have until March 31st to do that. Um, we also have a, a very special announcement that will take place a little bit later, uh, a change that's going to be taking place. Um, right after that so check these things out go to the teespring shop uh, do that to support us uh, as we try to grow and reach more people Uh, so thanks again for watching so let's continue and now turning to the the new testament uh, particularly we see the cancel culture taking place uh, in the life of jesus uh, with the pharisees scribes high priests sadducees all of them trying to cancel Jesus, trying to put him out, trying to silence him, uh, all of that good stuff. Um, anyway, um, I think there's several passages that, that refer uh, to this, this idea. Um, one of those is in uh, Mark uh, chapter 3. Uh, Mark chapter 3, uh, the first six verses. Now, Jesus, he has been, you know, as far as Mark's account of the gospel, this is early in Jesus' ministry. Uh, so far, he hasn't faced really uh, much opposition at all. Uh, I don't believe that there has been any opposition yet uh, that Jesus has, has faced uh, when he's healing. Uh, even in chapter 1, he's healing on the, the Sabbath, uh, and uh, they, they praised him uh, for what he did. Um, 
but when we get to chapter three, he heals on the Sabbath, and that's an issue. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus enters the synagogue, sees a man with a withered hand, um, and people were watching him. All right, is he going to heal on the Sabbath day? They're already thinking. All right, mm-hmm. we know he's going about do this. He, you know, people have seen him, heard him. He's done this before. He's healed on the Sabbath before. Right. Um, so they're seeing. All right, is he going to do this? And Jesus says, "Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill?" And they don't have an answer for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, because I mean, <laughs> how do you respond to that? You know, is it is it a good thing to do good things on the day of rest? Is it a good thing to save life? <laughs> and actually, um, you know, those of Orthodox, you know, Jewish, um, you know, that religion even today, uh, those that adhere very strictly to the Sabbath. You can't even turn on a light switch in the synagogue or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, those are just things I've heard. But I mean, the work aspect, they have this, um, this law, and I think it's called Pekuach Nefesh or something like that. Uh, and it's the idea that you can save someone's life on the Sabbath day. You know, if, if you're going to starve, <laughs> And you will die unless you eat a barbecue sandwich. <laughs> you know, you can eat that barbecue sandwich if it means that you'll live. If that's the only way that you can live, you can eat a barbecue sandwich. Um, you know, if, you know, putting out a fire is considered work. Um, if it's only going to be property damage, you got to let the building burn. But if somebody's in there, you can put out the fire. You know, so it's it's interesting they, they even address this today, but Jesus kind of asked this question, you know, right. before they really established this this law and this idea. Um, Jesus heals the man. And verse six says the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. <laughs> so what's going on here, Logan? What why is this all taking place? You know, Jesus he asks this question. I can't answer it. He does a good thing. And then these guys want to destroy him. Yeah. This kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier <clears throat> with the, uh, if you hold an opinion, you need to be able to be open. And first of all, you should be, if you think so highly of your own opinion, you should be open to criticism and you should be open to listening to what other people have to say. Um, Unfortunately, that's not what this is about because this applies exactly to what, what we see today. Somebody who holds a different opinion or says what you're doing is wrong, get them out. It's not about, well, I want to know what's right. It's about, I want to be the one that's right, regardless of what I'm saying. And so you cancel or you attempt to kill, destroy, whatever word is used here, depending on your version, uh, to get rid of somebody who's opposing you because you want to be the one that's right. And it's not about being right. It's not about actual truth. And that comes down to believing in absolute truth. Um, And I think a lot of the cancel culture does not believe in absolute truth that I have my truth and you have your truth. Um, Well, that's all good and fine to an extent, but the fact of the matter is I record a podcast with Zach Griffin. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and just because you don't agree with that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's, it doesn't not exist because you don't want it to. Um, so it's so simple. The simple answer is, well, if everybody would just listen and everybody would take it uh, and just sit down and say, I want it, I want my opinions to be as accurate as possible. So I'm going to listen to everybody I can to make sure I get there. And I have friends who are like that. And I, I applaud that. I try to be like that every day. Um, I'm not great at that with my wife. She'll tell you that. Um, but at the same time, that's not what this is about. 
That's not what the Pharisees are doing here. That's not what a lot of people do, do nowadays is they want so badly to be the one that's right. They don't care about what they're, if what they're saying is actually right. So yeah. that, that solution does not apply to them and it doesn't really apply for people today, which is difficult because yeah. this is exactly what we're dealing with today. <laughs> yeah. Um, you look truth right in the face and say, yeah. Nope, that's not real. It's right. not true. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the places where I think this, and this is pulling away from, from this example, but right. it's still about Jesus here is when he died mm-hmm. in Matthew uh, chapter um, 27, mm-hmm. Jesus dies and some crazy things start happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the temple veil is torn from top to bottom. There's an earthquake. Saints who had died rise up and start going into the city. But then you have this, which just kind of baffles the mind. Um, In Matthew chapter 27, uh, verse 62 and following, the next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate. This is after all of that takes place. The veil, the earthquake, saints, all that stuff. And said, sir, we remember how that imposter said. Now, remember the people, the centurion at the, the base of the cross said, surely mm-hmm. this is the son of God, right? We remember how this imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud (laughs) will be worse than the first. So, like, there's all this evidence that he is the Son of God. The sky blackened, the temple veil, the earthquake. There's dead people walking around. This is the next day after all that happened. And they're saying that, First, the the last fraud will be worse than the first. So they're saying, even then, all he was a fraud. <laughs> right. Well, it's so interesting to bring when you since you bring that up um, to look at this because to get to where they're at and with everything you've just lined out, the only options are that they were not there, that they had no knowledge of any of that, and they heard it. They maybe heard about it, and they're like, okay, sure, right. These are high or, priests, though, and you know the temple, you know, right? Or right. they're so their heads were so far in the dirt, <laughs> in the dirt. <laughs> that um, that they refused to believe any of that. that. Oh, that's just a natural phenomenon. And um, there's this interesting documentary, and I only recommend it to I won't recommend it to everybody on um, Natural Geographic from on Disney Plus that goes through different biblical events and like he does a good job of walking a line between um, what he, he, he holds the Bible as, all right, this is what happened. Now how do we explain it? Basically is what happens. And I've watched a few and it's not, he's not going around saying, all right, this is the truth. Um, He tries to explain away the natural phenomenons of the Bible. This would be one of them. Um, Now I understand that you scientifically, maybe you want to find a reason for things. Um, and maybe that's what they did here is that they're scientifically, there's a reason. Maybe th- th- there's just a big storm rolled in and uh, nothing happened. Uh, the temple curtain was torn from the top and it was just a gust of wind, you know, they, I, I, cause people have tried to do that forever. Mm. So maybe, so that's the only explanation I have for this. Um, now, if they explained it all the way in their own mind, what happens next makes sense. Because it's absolutely true. Because if you believe that Jesus was a fraud, then yes, absolutely. You want to make sure that his disciples don't steal his body because that would put the nail in the coffin that, yep, he's like, it's a big fraud. And it's true that that would, that would have been bigger than the second, but the, but to get to that point, the ignorance and looking at yourself and saying, there's no possible way that this could be real after everything you've seen, after everything to get to that point, uh, what 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 can you do i mean what can what could anybody have done for you at that point and that's kind of where almost where we're at with some people (coughs) excuse me that's almost where we're at with a lot some to a lot of people in a a culture today who just don't 
who refuse to see things not their way. Yeah. What's disappointing is because of the polarization of things, and right. it seems like, like we said at the very beginning, you know, everything is political. Buying a can of beans is political. You know, going to a specific restaurant, yep. supporting, you know, everything is political. Um, the polarization of that just, it seems more people are cemented in their ways than, I mean, it's just complete, there's blinders yeah. to evidence to the contrary. Well, and, it, and that, that you're talking about everything's political, that goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, because oh, there yes. are people on both sides, there are people on one side of the aisle, don't go to Starbucks. You know, that's fine. Knock yourself out. I personally, I love some Starbucks. Um, now there are our primary competition at Grounds Coffee Bar, but um, uh, you know they—that's just—I uh, I like their sandwiches. It's—it's—I'm not going to not go there because of something political. Um, just like I'm not going to not support if I were if I were on the other side, I'm not going to not support something that I've liked because of a political stance. It's just—I don't know. Yeah. That's just personal, and, and that's personal. There are people who think that's absolutely ridiculous and that's crazy, and that I'm supporting. Uh, I'm supporting all kinds of terrible, terrible things by doing that, but that's not how I see it. And I don't think that my $7 cup of coffee, that's, that's a high dollar cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my $7 cup of coffee is going to really make that big of a deal. I, I don't know this yeah. uh, saying all this, well, saying it out loud. I, I hear the disagreements, right? But, well, even this, I've even, got way off track on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're good. Well, what's happening in Texas right now? Right. That has become the snow has become political. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but because well, it is. there's a side that says, well, the reason why they're without power is because all this green energy failed. They're saying the the uh, you know the the wind power and the solar panels they're freezing, they're being covered in snow, all of that they're failed. Another side says, well, no, the fossil fuels have failed because if you look at statistics or percentages or whatever, there's a lot of that that has not been successful in powering homes, uh, far more so than, you know, the green energy just because it, it's used to power more. Um, but there's another part of this that's not political. Texas is not... It, they're not prepared to deal with snow because they don't usually deal with snow. There's not a political part of this at all that really caused all of this. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact that they never get this much snow. They never get this much ice. They never get these temperatures at all. So they're just not equipped for it. So like no. you can't blame a side. It's just, <laughs> I mean, and, and it, but but the thing about it is because of the polarization, it seems like, well, you got to pick a side. Right. You know, is it is it green energy's fault? Is it fossil fuels' fault? Whose fault is it? And it's not it's not really either. If you think about it critically. Good way to put it. <laughs> you know, but that's how things are. You know, and we just we have to understand. And I think we're kind, we're kind of pulling a. a off a little bit but i guess yeah. the major point is you got to be open-minded right and not have these blinders on and so when we have those blinders on it's just like i don't know i have to I have to pick a side and the other side's the enemy yeah well and, and i think it's i think a point you're you're just making is absolutely true and i think you were kind of alluded to it but that there is cancel culture on both sides of every oh, yeah. side, you know, that it, I don't, I don't want to come across like, or to like, this is all because we've talked about Rush Limbaugh. We've talked about mostly the conservatives being canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a cancel culture on the right side as well. Yes. Um, and there's, I mean, it's the, the cancel of green energy. I'm, I'm all for cheap energy. And if we can get it that works, let's knock it out. Um, we don't have to, we don't have to, cancel somebody who disagrees with us. And that's our point today that, you know, regardless of your political position, there's somebody on your side and maybe you're part of it who is a canceler who wants oh, yeah. to cancel culture. Um, and, and so, they, yeah, 
I mean, and it even goes down to, well, I'm not going to listen to them because they're not of my political party. Correct. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to watch their speech. I'm not right. going to do, right. you know, but you'll listen to the side that, you know, you'll, you'll listen to the news stations or whatever that are on your, on your side, but you right. won't listen to. And, and so it's just like you, you make a judgment and then you say, well, they're wrong. They're bad. And I'm canceling them. And that, that does happen on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to watch, you know, this specific news station. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to this politician, what they have to say. Mm-hmm. If I see them, I'm tuning them out and turning it off. I'm not even going to listen. Yes. Um, I mean, I think people did that with the inauguration oh, yeah. of, of our current president. I'm not going to watch it um, just because I don't agree with them or I don't like, it. you know, well, he's the president of the United States. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why not watch it? I mean, right. but yeah, I mean, so it's just, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating. What <laughs> has happened is um, this is going to get really for people to understand this. This is very meta right now, <laughs> but meta. Uh, what has happened is we have has <laughs> do what I think this whole episode has been <laughs> this is taking it to another level yeah we have Apple we have Google we have all these platforms that are so focused on pitching stuff to you and I like it to be quite honest I like getting on Instagram and seeing ads that I like I don't want to get on Instagram and see ads for adult diapers because I'm not at that age yet all right. So I'm thankful that Instagram knows what I like. They look at my age and my gender and other stuff that I follow and they give me ads tailored to that. Some people that freaks them out. I don't really care. Because of that, we have people get pushed further and further to the side that they're on. And I don't know if Google and Apple and Facebook and they've done that on purpose or not. That's not for me to decide. All I know is that it's happened. And people have got pushed further and further and further to the, to one side. And there's not many of us left in the middle. And the result of that has caused shoot, these bitter fights. And they, it's, it's maybe it started with Trump, but I feel like it started before that. It might have gone all the way back, started with Clinton um, when Clinton was in office. But it's been happening for a long time that we've been pushed further and further to the side that we were already on. And there's an episode of The Office where they sit around and debate, um, what's her name? That girl, oh. the debate whether she's hot or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember her name. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, they sit around and debate. And then at the end of the day, they're like, well, I guess we should have seen this coming. Uh, because in debates, you only get more entranced in the side you already believe. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, that's, that's the example of it. And so let's, you know, have your belief. Don't let yourself get pushed too far to one side and hold your moral line. Stop trying to cancel other people because they don't believe the way you believe. Stop moving your moral line because it makes more sense or because you're pushed to and don't move your moral line in order to attack somebody. Yeah. Another part of this is that when we do that, we isolate ourselves from them. Yeah. And from the Christian standpoint, can't do that. When you, right. when you isolate yourself from anyone, you put up a barrier, a wall uh, for possibly reaching them with the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and so I think this kind of leads into Jesus' answer um, to the whole cancel culture thing. Sure. Um, you know, we have in Matthew chapter 23, the, the woes to the Pharisees. He addresses right. the issue. He speaks up and he uses his voice. Um, but primarily... Jesus does not meet people that are in opposition to him in that sort of way. Um, Sinners, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the tax collectors and the prostitutes and all of those, they're standing on the side of opposition to God because of sin, right? They, you know, selfishness, adultery, all kinds of things like that mm-hmm. they are in opposition to jesus what does jesus do he goes to them he's hospitable to them um the cancel culture says i'm of a particular view everyone else is my enemy mm-hmm. you know i'm on a particular side i have to push out those voices that aren't mine I don't listen to them. I separate. I isolate. 
Uh, both sides do this. Seems like everybody does this in this inner sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus makes enemies because other people are opposed to him. Yeah. He doesn't oppose himself against anyone. Well said. Um, and when we think about those in opposition, the mm-hmm. term enemy comes to mind and it's thrown around a lot. I think they're enemies, they're against, they're all of this. But what did Jesus say about our enemies? <laughs> you know, how are we supposed to deal with those that try to cancel us? Yeah. You know, what did he say about the persecutors, those that persecute you, those that would shut you up, those that would you know, dialed in on you because you are a Christian or because of whatever reason and try to to push you out and push you down. How does Jesus say that we should handle those people? If we turn to Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, you have in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, I was looking at this, and I I was studying through this this past week. The first part is Scripture. You shall love your neighbor. But the last part is not from Scripture. It's it's not even remotely from Scripture. What happened was this saying was being thrown around a lot because of a misunderstanding that the scribes had about the laws that were given in a pre-Canaanite uh, conquest period when God said, you're not going to marry them. You're, you're not going to, you know, they're not going to be one with you. You're going to conquer them. You're going to go, you're going to go against them. This land is going to be yours. I'll give you authority over all of them, you know, and when, when, when they get to that point, don't leave a survivor. Don't leave surviving cattle, burn it all. Don't take anything of it. They had in their mind then from things like that, that, well, we're supposed to hate our enemies. We're supposed to push them out. During Jesus' time uh, with the relationship with the Samaritans, mm-hmm. you know, there is just this absolute hate. We're going to go around the region of the Samaritans when it would be so quicker to just go right through the land. We're going to go around them because yeah. even the dirt is is unholy. Um you know, that's the kind of attitude that they had. But the hate your enemy, that never came from Scripture. Mm-hmm. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That, you, let, you shall love your neighbor, that is Scripture. And actually, um, in Exodus chapter 23, right after the, the Ten Commandments were given, um, God told Moses that if you see your enemies donkey and it's loose you go and you bring that donkey back to your enemy if if you see that your enemy's donkey or ox is carrying a heavy load and they're unable to bear that load then you help it even goes i mean it, there is a specificity right after i mean you're only a three chapters after the Ten Commandments are first given. Yeah. And God says, you're to help and support your enemy. Now, Jesus, back here in the, in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, he says, I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Hmm. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect (laughs) as your heavenly father is perfect. I mean, it's just like Jesus introduces something that probably is one of, if not the hardest command to do other than self-denial self-denial is huge uh and very difficult for us to do this may be tied for the most difficult things for us to do yeah love your enemies and self-denial but he says to pray for those that persecute you 
to love your enemies. And how does this, how does this relate to the cancel culture that we see? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it's exactly related because, you know, there's going to be people, if they're your enemy, who are trying to cancel you. And there's going to be people who maybe you're trying to cancel. And we talk about, we throw that word around. It's like, you know, silence is probably a better word. Going to be silence people you like, people you listen to, some of your favorite talk shows or whatever. <clears throat> you know, and what's the response? Because the natural response, the human response is, well, fine, I'm going to get you back. You know, what is our response, really? Is it? out of love or is it out of anger and is it out of our natural human desire to uh, want to be even there's so much just to be said about what Jesus, what Jesus says here. And it's, he says it himself. I, I don't, I don't know how much more there is to say, actually, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, love is the response. He says, they're going to know you because you love me because of your love for each other. Um, how many Christians do you know that you know they're a Christian because they love somebody, right? Uh, how many people do you know that I know they're a Christian, not because they told me, but because they love other people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's becoming more rare and rare. And uh, it, it, it's not a lay down and just take what comes your way. Just lie down and take it. No, it's, you know, I'm going to hold my moral line. And, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, that you have a moral line and if you don't, then I'll let God deal with the consequences mm. type of thing. Um, yeah. and that's, that's the attitude I think that, uh, that Christian should have. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes me wonder how many people pray, you know, who, how many people prayed consistently for our last president and how many consistently pray for our current president yeah. and the nature of those things. You know, because whenever, whenever Jesus says, pray for those that persecute you, is Jesus saying that prayer is a, you know, repent prayer? Is it a, so they'll change their ways kind of prayer? Um, I think a lot of people think so, you know, that, and, and I think that may be part of it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to pray for those that persecute you that, you know, that, you know, they may change their ways, but the context of this does not seem like that's the kind of prayer that Jesus is talking about. I don't think so. Yeah. He says, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you for, right? There's a reason so that you may be sons like, uh, sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. God blesses. He blesses our enemies. God blesses our enemies. If we're going to be sons of the Father, if we're going to be sons of God, we have to be in the same kind of nature as God, uh, blessing those uh, that persecute us and are enemies to us. Um, Jesus said it best uh, on the cross, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. These people are literally canceling Jesus. <laughs> they are putting him to death and you know in their minds he's going to be no more We're, we've dealt with the problem he's going to die everybody's going to forget him you know that's just how this is going to be you know mm -hmm. a man rose up he called people to himself he's going to die they're they're scattering there this is going to be an end we've silenced him yeah um and jesus in all that pain said forgive them I mean, it's a challenge yeah. uh, for us in this in this culture when there's so much hate, there's so much polarization and opposition, and you got to pick a side and all of this. Um, I think we should just, as Christians, we stand on the side of God. Stand on the side of God, and that side is to love everybody, uh, to respond in a way that, that Jesus did. I think these examples that we've looked at are just phenomenal for us and in, in our uh, in our Christian walk. The idea of holding that moral line uh, from mm -hmm. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, the idea of um, from David and Uriah that we that we looked at. Um, Jesus and the Pharisees. 
um, you know, even to the point of his death on the cross, yeah. um, we have this example of what it means to uh, be faithful, uh, to stick with it, and even to love your enemies. Right. Uh, love your enemies. Um, and so I think that's probably the, that's the answer really for cancel yeah. culture is mm -hmm. you love those who are in opposition to you. Right. <laughs> it's just like, and that's what makes us different. You know, the Gentiles, like, like Jesus said, you know, those that are opposing you and hate you, mm -hmm. yeah, they, they love the people that are going along with them. Yeah. Uh, what are, what's making you different than them? Absolutely. Anyway, well, do you have any final thoughts, Logan? Or I don't. No, that was a, I, I've enjoyed the conversation today. Um, I hope I didn't get myself into too much trouble. But uh, you know, yeah, uh, there is. is yeah, I, I will say this: I I believe in an absolute truth, and mm. I believe that there is one truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. And uh, I hope that nobody tries to cancel me for saying that, but. That's where it's at. And uh, there is so much, there's so much uh, that grows from there. Um, if you claim to believe in absolute truth, but never want to get better and only want to silence the people who, um, who are opposite of you, then you don't really believe in an absolute truth. Um, and so that's the position. That's the root of it is where, what's truth. Does everybody have their own truth or is there one absolute truth? Um, because that's, uh, that's how we figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you know the truth, <laughs> yeah. why, why are you making a big deal of people that are going up against it? Correct. You, you've got the truth. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks everybody again for watching. Um, take some of this stuff with a grain of salt, you know, <laughs> I think there's a little bit of a opinion and, and heated feelings and stuff, but I hope that you, you are encouraged by the examples that we've looked at, though, um, and looking to Jesus and what he specifically says about how we are to love our enemies. Um, I think I really do think that's that's our response uh, for how we handle this. Um, and so thanks again for watching. Uh, Logan, why don't you call, close this in a prayer? Let's pray. Dear God, our Father in heaven, thank you so much for today, and thank you for giving us absolute truth. Thank you for bringing Jesus Christ to this world to show us that there is one way to you and it's through him. Lord, I pray for everybody who is needing you right now. I pray for everybody who is, who needs you and doesn't know it. I pray that we're as Christians, a light to those people. Lord, I pray that the rest of this day is pleasing to you in our lives. And I pray that everybody who's been with us today, listening has been edified. Lord, I thank you. And we love you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks for, for watching. watching. Thank <laughs> you.